0: Please, how are we doing today? I know, I know, it's been quite a while and I sincerely apologize and I hope to make it up to you today by extending our time. Well, let me introduce the show to you and then we can start talking. You're welcome to the fifth episode of Life in a Life with Retorage Let's Talk About It edition. I'm absolutely elated to being your energy center today, and even more so in good health and of sound mind. I hope you are as well. Speaking of good health and sound mind, the topic of today is centered around just that. And so, without further ado, Let's get right straight to it. The conversation of today the is themed around mental health and depression. So, let's talk about it. Depression. I have found that the term has um, gained much popularity over time, especially in recent times. You would agree. A generalized definition of the term as um, described, described on Google, on the internet, I had to go research this (laughs) because I wanted to get a more conventional term, I would say, before I reintroduce what I think would be best suited. Um, it can be described as a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest, which event evidently affects how we feel, think and behave. Surely, at its worst, this could also lead to a variety of physical and psychological problems. Now, while this is a fair assessment of depression. I still do, however, find it quite vague, and I'll explain why in a moment. In my opinion, a much more refined description of the term was given by the famous filmmaker and actor, Jim Carrey. I hope you know him. I absolutely love him. So, in an interview he said, and I quote, people talk about depression all the time. The difference between depression and sadness is that sadness is just from happenstance, that is, it is primarily based on something that happened or didn't happen for a person, whereas depression is your body's way of saying and please forgive my manners but I'm trying to quote him word for word he says it is your body's way of saying F word you I don't want to be this character anymore I do not want to be this avatar that you have created in the world it is just too much for me and then he goes ahead to express that a spiritual friend of his named Jeff Fuster proposes a viewpoint about the subject matter that is more straight to point I think Jeff Foster defines depression as deep rest. That is, I think what he's trying to say, because I had to explore this idea of deep rest. So, I think that what he's trying to say that it is a state of resistance from the body working against a false representation of itself. Um, This was such an intense definition for me because I, I got it, I understood it. So, after getting a hold of this magnificent idea, I began to view and to understand this once extremely vague idea, which I believe was made so through medical ideas turned clinically proven. And what is even sad is that people tend to attribute the vibrations of these ideas to themselves without proper discernment. Somehow people are conditioned in a society to blindly trust whatever has been confirmed, or as they call it, scientifically proven. Whatever that means, because obviously Uh, Time has shown that that tends to change over time What do I mean by that? In the past it was once scientifically proven that the earth was flat as we all know and thus this truth this You know scientifically proven truth was seen as an objective fact Then came technological advancement which enabled scientists the freedom to alter their opinion and what was once regarded as an objective truth now was totally altered. Now as we stand, the current objective truth about uh, the look of the universe or the look of our planet is that the earth is spherical. knows what future generations will find. My point is, it is our responsibility to develop ourselves individually. The responsibility of living comes with an individual on us to explore life subjectively in order to come into, I think, a balanced truth about life. Now, most of the social institutions that Um, We have manned with these responsibilities, be it religious institutions, political or even economic institutions. They are all made up of human beings like us, people with personal motivations and even much so flawed ideas. How do we then subject ourselves to believing and accepting anything that is thrown at us without exerting discernment or a keen eye at least to what has been proposed to us. Now, no, how does the conversation about depression relate to this? I'll tell you as I mentioned earlier. In recent times it is not challenging to find people who are absolutely sold on the idea that they are depressed. In fact, has become some form of social trend. Some people testify, of course, to be clinically confirmed, whereas others do so simply by randomly, I guess, researching the said symptoms. I have actually observed, and you would as well, that big pharmaceutical companies do have, you know, they thrive on the advent of these new age diseases by prescribing a host of drugs to people, which eventually, of course, instigates other health problems, leaving people ultimately dependent on this farmer surgical aid, end quote. Now, I'm not inferring that it is same for all cases, but I'm rather implying that as a matter of fact, all cases are questionable and should be. These days, I think that a mild series of inconveniences could easily push one over the edge. Therefore, there is certainly a need for us to question the validity of most medical diagnoses of which um, none should be met by outrage. Now, in saying this, I do not intend to dismiss or to undermine the experiences of those who actually suffer from, you know, these complications. Perhaps it is true, yet I also believe that most people who believe they are depressed simply have attracted that energy by identifying with it. In my past um, episodes, I've talked about how words are spells, and I highly encourage people to have this in mind at all times. Hopefully, in the nearest future, I would build a conversation around that topic. Now, back to my point on identifying with things. I mean, when a person not only believes that they embody some form of illness and even go as far as altering it, what do you respect? Forgive me and I hope I really do not offend anyone, I think I have to say this all the time because I know people easily take offence to things in this new age. But it does appear to be that depression has become heavily socialised amongst young people and in a very oddly fashionable way. Well, would you blame them? I mean, look at the teen movies prevalent in the media depression is often glamorized. It's like this uh, cool persona that makes you come off mysterious and aloof, you know. It's absolutely amazing to see, I tell you. Um, So at a time where people are desperately looking for a unique identity that they can, that can actually set them apart from others, and hopefully they can even go as much as capitalizing on looks like depression has, in a way, provided a wide spectrum of character tropes one could easily design and uphold. I mean, in a weirdly subconscious way, it appears to be that this generation of youth actually expect life to be as dramatic and pristine as the movies (laughs) portray them to be, portray life trace life to be and when reality offers anything but that they are not quite programmed or manned with the capacity or the ability to deal with you know any of these oppressions and uh, they project these inability inadequacies to or on themselves and also to others Now, before I come under any attack, I acknowledge that this isn't necessarily always the case, yet I can say that the degree at which they vary isn't so much. Personally, I'm someone who does not like to be defined in any way. I say this a lot to myself and to everyone that I am close to in at least an intimate, genuine way. I am everything and nothing existing all at the same time. I say this because in my lifetime, the biggest challenge I have had in getting to know myself is realizing and recognizing how contradictory I am just by being. And I believe this to be the case really for all human beings at our natural state, Now, in a world where people tend to desire to make sense of life by categorizing things, enters a person, which is I, who practically proves to be everything. As what I mean by that is that I am represented in all archetypes of human life, you know, or prototype as it is. While I was younger, I absolutely desired to be definable I did so because not being definable I think even now it kind of leaves you without friends uh in the time it was worse because I felt like I did not belong anywhere and almost like a stranger to life and in life you know I felt out of place I always wondered how it was that people were able to just be one thing it was really baffling to me and because i did not quite understand that it was merely an act i so wanted nothing more definitely over time i would attempt to try out different stereotypes of behavioral patterns but sooner than later of course i would eventually expose myself by not being consistent and of course by so doing I would also disappoint those who have accepted me as part of their clan now whether it was with the popular kids or you know the geeks or the weirdos or the arty kids I mean it didn't matter I I, I was just experiencing really bad imposter syndrome because I was trying to curb myself I was trying to tag myself I was trying to fit into one box one stereotype thank the universe for growth however because in recent times I'm more embracing of my dynamic nature and I'm actually quite proud of it I'm so mutable and this means that I am adaptable in all situations Although I must confess that my dynamism still does have a lot of people confused about me. You know, more often than not, people who are still stuck in the singular story and picture frame that they have built of themselves. And as a result, of course, with others, I find that the, in quotes, natural tendency of wanting to categorize others would never work for me because, honey... I will confuse you. In fact, I am often described as a Pandora's box. A contradiction. A person who is predictable in her unpredictability. (laughs) The confusion goes on. I mean, questions like, how can she be this free and playful and not so stern and studious and serious? How can she be this... um, Uh, knowledgeable and just carefree. You know the, the, the people cannot quite make sense of my contradiction and many cases they're not makes people um not uh not easily identify my character trait at first meeting so it depends on where I am my environment or the type of person that I'm with there are people that know me that would you know describe me as stern and rigid there are people who know me who describe me as playful and fun it it just it depends you know and I think that's what life should be and people who are really close to me understand that I um, conveniently and comfortably jump in and out of these character troops and I love it you know I absolutely love it so the confusion just always goes on and on with people. Of course the common ideas attributed to ideas like high value men or high value women are of course built around misogyny and I simply do not share any interest in playing around such you know confining roles. So therefore it is in this spirit of elaboration and dynamism that I uphold ideas or thinking that Um, expand in concepts like depression that allow for it to breathe in a lot of people's experiences without necessarily limiting my ideas to one thing or just my experience so another thing that I think people tend to believe is in circumstances where a person takes their life you know commit suicide, everyone automatically believes it to be as a result of depression. And I'll say that from personal experience this isn't always quite the case. What is even twisted I have found is that people tend to utilize such cases as comforters. What do I mean by that? I'll give an instance. So a famous person commits suicide and it is of course advertised on social media. I mean this announcement comes with no explanation for from the family of any kind stating or confirming the cause of intention nevertheless when you scroll through the flood of comments most of what you would observe people um, state is you know make out statements like you never know what people are going through behind closed doors depression is real be kind to everyone I mean how is it that our minds are only directed to one specific scenario whereas we exist within our own selves in a world with such endless possibilities we are endless our thoughts are endless our experiences are endless so how do we then narrow our minds to just one scenario what comments of such value taking lead to conversations of this nature insights to how the human mind on an average playing field is wired can be quickly identified and that is in the black or white mentality what is a black white mentality it is an absolute obliteration of the middle ground of which we also know as the gray area now in truth a lot a lot of explanations exist in the gray area. Observation and deconstruction is needed to make sound reasoning. Surely of course this isn't an easy task because it involves rigorous evaluation of situations with and without inclusion of self. This is also why I am also of the opinion that schools are to prioritize disciplines connected to critical thinking rather than the ambiguous bogus theories that are presented to children young adults and even adults which I think um, poured very little value to us in time and in the long run. Subjects such as logic and philosophy are disciplines that should not only involve assessments of past monumental ideas but should primarily key into the recent, you know, recent patterns of thinking, recent patterns of behaviors and theories, what people may also ascribe to be conspiracy theories. I know that some people may not know this but I think it's important to understand that thinking is an art is an actual art, an actual discipline that is to be taught, which is to say that um, refined thinking applies certain methods and uh, processes of acquisition and filtration. A lot of people do not know how to think, and I do not mean this in a condescending way, because thinking goes beyond one's ability to perceive a thought. It also entails clear observation and analysis of the thought itself and understanding the scenarios, the various scenarios um, surrounding that thought. In this case, one can apply the five W's and H, which is the who, why, when, where, what, and how. So in this case, you're asking who is the object of conversation of thought or what is the object of thought And why uh, am I thinking about this? Why um, am I thinking about this particular subject? When did this thought arise? When, what situation surrounds this thought? Where, at what point, you know, did this thought thought come into, into play? And what is this thought all about? What instigated it? What are the you know situational factors surrounding it and of course how did this thought come to be you see what i'm saying that is just so much to take in and to bring forward when thinking because we're simply not programmed to do so we're not thought to do so i truly believe that if we're all thought you know how to think we would have very little to say actually In conversations, there will be a lot of silence, which of course is provoked or instigated through emphatic listening, and responses will often be revisited instead of given instantaneously, I think. Um, I know that definitely sounds weird, but if we were programmed that way, it actually wouldn't be. In fact, I think that the way that which we think at the moment is what is actually weird. Now going back to the conversation of utilizing perceived agony or might I say, misfortune of others as comforters, Some of the comments made on the passing of famous individuals are actually so alarming. Some may even go as far as making personal comparisons. Now, tell me how you would evaluate a comment of this nature. A person who is famous, who is known for what they do, whatever, you know, uh, passes on, of course, through suicide. And you see a comment like, wow, she was so beautiful and rich. Man, you never know what people are going through. Anyways, I'm thankful to God for my life. I mean... How is it that you introduce yourself into a conversation that absolutely has nothing to do with you? Now, a mind that is prone to being reflective will easily pick on that, but you'll find that most people make nothing of this. To them is all natural response, whereas in reality, it is a response birthed out of fear, usually fear of the unknown. And the fact that people believe that the worst thing that can happen to a person is death is quite telling of how deep asleep a lot of us are. What I'm about to share with you can be considered quite controversial and please, you are free to disagree with me. Like I said earlier, this is a personal experience and hopefully there are people who can also relate. Robin Williams The wonderful, extraordinary actor who exited this plane of life by suicide, Um, just like many others, he was a successful actor, at least in the ways that we all ascribe the term success. I mean, he had a family, wealth, fame, respect, you name it. The average man will be more than happy to exchange lives with this man, yet he took his own life. And when he did the whole world was shocked. Now it was never said that he was depressed by the way. Never. Not by his family, neither by his friends or not even himself. He had as expected. Everyone came to that conclusion. I watched a short clip I think a month ago from a movie that he starred in where he spoke about why humans are unable to reserve some sense of respect and dignity to, to death as we will to birth. And this is one of the reasons why I think that uh, majority of our fears are birthed from what we do not know or and understand. I believe that humans were, if humans were taught or programmed to see death as absolutely natural you know a natural human experience it would have had a profound difference in the ways at which we currently view death and so it is with failure to um and so it is with failure sorry to say so any other negative human experience that we go through has to be thought has to be Um, understood in order to get along with it does that make sense to you I hope it does now I use the term programmed simply because I believe that a suitable term to the cause I'm of the opinion that if humans from childbirth are socialized to minimize their fears through the exaltation of intrigue adventure and exploration um, rather than fear and distance and criticism, this would be this wouldn't be the case. Um, having said that, since humans are met with fear in cases that deal with the unknown or the mysterious death, being the most mysterious of all human experiences would easily become a common denominator of denominator, sorry, of emotional reflexes triggered by fear. In going through a spiritual awakening, the experiences that uh, one might encounter, I find, could easily invite certain intense emotions, including fear. And coming to certain harsh realizations of truth um, about self and about life is actually not uncommon to begin to feel uninterested in living in my experience, a lot of times, one could temporarily become overcome by a deep disinterest with life. Not as a result of sadness or anguish, although that could also be, but it can also be instigated through a deep sense of knowing of uh, what who one is and what one, uh, the situation that one is in, as it is, and also a deep longing for home. Of course, this is not home as we would perceive it to be with our senses, but a place that is experienced through spiritual insight, you know, the source, the sense of belonging to something uh, celestial, you know, out of this physical uh, experience to say, for lack of a better word. This may sound confusing to some of you, but I'm sure that some others would have who are, you know, going through a spiritual awakening or who have gone through or are still going through a spiritual awakening will easily find this relatable. In my experience, a lot of times I can recall feeling fatigue in such a way that life began to present itself in what I would describe to be robotic Which, of course, is another term for recognizing and realizing the metrics, you know. The awareness of being in a metrics is one of the most nerving things one would ever experience, I tell you. That conscious state of knowing and realizing that nothing is real could easily, so easily throw us, you know, a person off balance. Therefore, making up one's mind to exit this plane of existence would actually feel absolutely like nothing compared to the indescribable weight of vibrations and unraveling realities that one may begin to encounter within having such, you know, surreal experiences. I can tell you this for sure and uh, this has nothing to do with depression you actually get to a point where you fear your fear of death is absolutely neutralized you get to um, a very heightened knowing of what life is and who you are and you know you have this peace and acceptance of everything that life is including the idea of death you know you begin to embrace it all i hope that i'm not scaring anyone please i do not intend to like i said this is my experience however i am equally conscious of my past knowing and also acknowledging that before my awakening i was void of this deep knowing or awareness and so this kind of allows me a depth of empathy and understanding for those who are still experiencing life in a more um humanly central way i'd say respecting that we all have our time into having these unique experiences and uh yeah just knowing that and still realizing that you're in life with humans as a human being (laughs) okay so that was heavy i know i just hope it's not too heavy for you to digest (laughs) I guess that the takeaway in this conversation, this entire conversation is that depression or any mental health in general is, is an issue that should not be taken lightly. Um, be it in physically, emotionally or mentally, I'm not outruling the validity of scientific knowledge or expertise. Rather, I advise that we are more self-conscious and telling. And one can only be able to do that in the midst of desire and intentionality. I, however, do not believe that a person must go through a spiritual awakening to be spiritual. I mean, by making, we are spiritual beings. In fact, I'm beginning to consider that spiritual awakenings of deep magnitudes are reserved for those who eat certain kinds of spiritual calling. This is not to say that some people have spiritual callings and some don't. That I cannot specifically assert or deny. Yet, I am of the opinion that we all live and work in divine timing. I personally believe in reincarnation, definitely. So, I tend to think that we all have our special time to carry out our spiritual purpose in various planes of reality. Having said all of that, we have come to the end of this episode of Life in a Life with Rhetoric. Let's talk about it edition. I have thought I've been able to bring you a wealth of knowledge and perhaps other valuable vibrations. Thank you for giving me your special time, attention, and affection. Do I enjoy the rest of your day. See you same time next week. Love and power. Bye bye.